record. Cool. Recording is good. I fucking heard of that one, dude. The show? Yeah. Just, dude. All right. Ready? You good? Okay. What's up, guys? Welcome to Kupner's Podcast with your host, Matt Sartrick, and myself, Peter from Dura. This is a podcast where we tackle hundreds of topics. Oh, we did that one. I had like a snot ball back in my throat. Hold on. <laughs> Where's water for myself? <clears throat> yeah, it sounded like you had some, you, you know, how, like you talk and there's so much dryness in your throat. Yeah. You fucking cough. Yo, yo. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to Culture's Podcast with your hosts, Matt Sartrick and myself, Peter from the It's an interesting podcast where we tackle current health news and hot nursing topics, one conversation at a time. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you give us the five stars. Like us on Instagram. Like us on YouTube. Keep listening. Thank you, everybody, for your support. You guys are amazing. How you doing, Matt? Good, man. I'm ready to roll, even though we're both sick. Let's get the show on the road. Guys, about those five stars, keep smashing them. It's helping the podcast grow. It's helping us get more exposed in the algorithm. And ultimately, it's going to motivate us to bring higher quality content to you guys. How are you doing today, PD? I am I'm pretty sick. As a matter of fact, I got a, a glass of vitamin C on one side. And then I got some water on this other side because, goddamn, today's not my best day. So if you guys hear some sneezing, some coughing, I'm sorry. I'm going to try to keep it as a minimum. But sometimes you just got to do what you got to do and get that phlegm out of your, out of your mouth. That's a, that's exactly what I've been dealing with. I've been doing vitamin C like four to 5,000 milligrams daily. And I've been doing water. I actually bought alkaline water, 9.5 pH. It was like 350 a gallon. So I've been doing that to kind of help with me, with my sickness. It's getting better. I'm finally having a productive cough. If anybody wants to know, I'm having green sputum coming out. So probably some viral bacterial things, but it's getting better. Yeah, man. Like on my unit, like a bunch of nurses are sick. And the last couple of times I've been working, I've been getting patients on, on droplet precautions. Like half our unit, I feel like is is on, is on a contact droplet for for like a respiratory panel or, or the flu. And that's probably where I got sick from because there's no other. That's I don't know where else I would get sick from. It, it sucks. It sucks. You know, it's the worst, man. When you're like doing your assessment, you're doing something for the patient and the person just like opens his mouth and he starts coughing right in front of your face. Like you're just like in the brink of a man. It's just like, fuck it. I'm just, I'm here for the ride, man. <laughs> right. You're like doing lung sounds. You know, you get like a big ass sneeze, big ass cough. And the guy's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did it ever go yeah, on your I mean, face before? Uh, No, no, but like. You don't feel it, but if you're wearing a mask and he's coughing and sneezing and you're doing lung sounds and you're right there in his face, I'm sure he gets them in your eyes. If, if you're logically looking at it from a logical standpoint, you might not feel it, but you definitely got some in your eyes. <laughs> definitely. Okay. So let's let's get the show on the road here. So on today's episode, we're going to talk about the three different types of foods you should eat, the three types of food groups you should avoid. And then for the health news, we're also going to talk about a AI system by Google that's better at predicting uh, mammograms than six radiologists, which is awesome. I love technology and the way it's moving forward and how we're becoming better at everything we're doing. That's really interesting. I like the whole whole AI uh, whole AI concept with with diagnosing certain diseases and illnesses. But I feel like we're still 
fairly early in, in the game. And I feel like personally, AI should be used with humans. So, so you kind of get rid of like those false, false positives and false negative because to my knowledge, I don't think AI is is fully there to be able to 100% diagnose everything that, that's going on. And I feel like you still need a pair of eyes. Maybe in the next couple of years, maybe you might get get rid of like the human human thought process through it. But I think for now, we should probably use both of them in the meantime. I, I do agree with you. I think eventually what's going to happen is that these AIs are going to be, you know, they're going to be supervised by like a radiologist since we're talking about radiology specifically. But eventually I feel like what's going to happen is what's the job outlook for radiologists? Maybe we're not going to need them because this AI is going to literally have better results than humans themselves. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that because as, as this machine starts to diagnose more people, it starts to learn. It starts to get, get smarter and it's going to eventually rule out these false positives, false negatives. And you got to remember that a machine, it, it's statistically has like like one day, it has one, one function. Like as a person, you have multiple functions and sometimes you're not always on your, on your A game and you can miss something or you could underdiagnose something and that's due to your fault. So I feel like this whole AI learning thing is going to reduce a lot of mistakes, a lot of redundancies, a lot of unnecessary tests because like I said, it it's, focuses just this one task and that's all it's learning to do is just diagnosing this cancer or breast cancer or prostate cancer or, or you know, cardiomyopathies or, or heart disease or diabetes and Eventually, it's going to surpass like human knowledge. It's going to learn to recognize everything that has to do with, with that disease or, or with that um, that function of like the metastasis or, or that cancer. Right. So, And that's the thing with AI that it has to learn. And this study that we looked at, which was um, Google's Health AI, they basically took 91,000 mammograms from UK and the US and they tested this robot or this artificial intelligence to be to diagnose breast cancer. And what they found is that the AI performed 11.5% better compared to um, the six radiologists that it was comparing the study to. So there's there's some improvement. There's It's definitely better, but the, the technology still lacks a lot of things that hopefully in the near future it's going to improve. Yeah, I think I listened to a, a it was a podcast I listened to. Maybe it was a it was a TED talk. I'm not sure, but it was on podcast. And I know they're also doing this like this AI diagnosis thing with uh, with, with heart failure. Um, they're trying to build a machine that predicts heart failure and a potential MI quicker than a physician, because we know MIs most of all the time, they're, they're acute. They happen outside the hospital. And a lot of times they might have some warning, but they don't really have enough for the patient to, to come into hospital and, and, and seek diagnosis or, or seek help before it occurs. So this machine is AI was actually trying to help with trying to see predict who's at a higher risk for mi and who's at a higher risk for heart failure because a lot of times we know that these symptoms are, are slow and when they have slow symptoms people don't notice them as much because because like they're slow you know like you add on one symptom after maybe like a year period you don't really you don't really feel it compared to like when you actually get the get the full mi the full chest pain you don't really feel it you kind of if you slowly develop shorts of breath over time, maybe you get a little bit shorter breath every few months. You know, maybe you're walking down the stairs. Maybe you're doing one stair less now, another stair less. That's that's gradual. You don't really notice it until it's until it's kind of too late. So I know there's there's this AI machine trying to better predict higher risk people, better predict people that are at higher risk for MI and kind of try to get them in, a, in the hospital quicker. So this AI is being used for preventive medicine, which is cool, and I think. 
AI is going to be very cool as well since we're on the topic is let's just say you're a neurosurgeon and you're operating on a patient that has an aneurysm in his brain and the surgeon doesn't know what decision to make, whether he should coil, whether he should, I don't know what the procedures they do for an aneurysm, but let's just say they have to coil. What's the risk of possibly bursting an aneurysm and the patient's going to bleed out? And instead of the, the neurosurgeon making that decision, the AI is going to be able to take all the cases it ever went through of aneurysms and give a calculated risk whether the physician should or the neurosurgeon should do this or that. That's going to be cool as hell. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful aspect of it is that you could put all this information in, into this this computer because you're not gonna you don't know all the studies that have been done. You don't know all the high risk procedures that have been done. Like what you're saying with the coils, you you don't know. No matter how good of a surgeon you are, no matter how good of a physician you are, you still your brain cannot don't have the capacity to hold all that research, all that all that knowledge. But a computer does. And what the computer does is it takes all that knowledge, it remembers it, and then it keeps adding on to it, keeps adding on to it, keeps adding on to it. So it's like a like a never ending well of knowledge, which is right. really cool. That's why it's gonna sur- like surpass our brain function in that specific field, just because it could just keep adding on to the knowledge that it knows. And of course, I'm not sure if who is really big into AI, but we've already created AI computers that are better than the world's best chess players. And there is AIs out there that do certain tasks at a better rate than humans. There's like another game out there. I forgot what it's called, but it also beat like the grand mashup of that game. So this, these are just like the baby steps. Imagine this is just the beginning. Imagine how much more advanced is it going to get if these AI computers are already beating people in chess and, and, and certain games. Imagine what they could do in the future in like the next 10, 15, 20 years. Kill all the humans, long story short. Um, I would also like to mention that I feel like this is going to help because, you know, let's just say you're a nurse and you need a result on an x-ray, you need a result on a CT scan. Like sometimes those radiologists drag ass to give you the, the, the results back or it takes long. Imagine a computer that's able to spit this out in a few minutes and give you the result, give you the impression a lot quicker. That's going to help improve healthcare too. Healthcare is one of the biggest issue is it, it's just, for me, it's just slow. Like it's it's slow to get things read, even if they're stacked. You're still waiting like probably like a half an hour, at least, and it's just slow. Same with pharmacy. Like they send you medications, but it just takes time. Everything takes time. So anything we can do to make the results show quicker, these diagnoses quicker, that just benefits society in general. It's just like with everything else, it's like a chase for time. That's why we have Uber because we don't feel like waiting for a taxi. We can just whoa take out our phone and get our Uber ride right away. It's everything, everything is time. If you could find a way to cut time out of something, you're eventually gonna, gonna cut costs and everyone wants to cut costs. And if you're cutting time, cutting costs, and you're leading to a more accurate diagnosis or a better prognosis, or you're passing on a high risk surgery because the patient has a low chance of making it, then you know that benefits everybody, even, even the corporations. Definitely. And the only thing that sucks is um, when it comes to job outlook because you're going to have less radiologists that are needed now, and that's going to create the whole um, dynamic of job outlooks. It is, but then, you know, you lose one job here, but now you're going to need somebody to keep up that maintenance of, of the AI. You're going to need somebody to write the code for the AI. You're going to need somebody to to look at the code and make sure it's it's not buggy, it's not glitchy. You're going to need somebody to improve that code. If it's, if it's open source, someone's going to need to work on it. So, yeah, we might lose one job, but... But what comes with it is another job opening. And maybe instead of being a radiologist, maybe you could be like a program developer where you're going to even make more money than you did as a radiologist. So I feel like, yeah, we're going to lose some jobs, but you know, we've lost different jobs 
over hundreds of years, and you know we're still surviving. We're still finding finding new ways to you know create other jobs. So just because you lost one job doesn't mean nothing's going to replace that. Definitely true. I I I'm I'm pretty sure nursing is not going to get replaced when it comes to robots. I feel like we as nurses, bedside manners, compassion, like you can't get that from like a artificial intelligence. You can't get that even from a freaking robot that's supposed to take care of patients, let's just say in the future, I think that's never going to replace us. Well, for now, um, maybe sometime years and years out of here, but or years and years from now, just because just like with any kind of kind of program, you're kind of, you know, there's no emotional intellect coming out of a robot or any kind of kind of AI system. Like they could treat your symptoms, but they can't really treat you as, as a person. And what people want most out of hospitals is to be treated like a human. You know, you don't want a robot coming in your room every hour telling you telling you to do this, this and that, and you can't even talk to it. Or if you talk to it, you get like a like a dry automated Siri Siri response where it's like half right and, and half wrong. So until we finally develop something with like emotional intelligence, nurses are probably gonna be here to stay. Same with physicians are gonna be here to stay as well. Oh yeah. And it's it's funny because I had a patient intubated and the patient went like unconscious at one point had to cardiovert, you know, start pressers. You're doing all this stuff, but she was frustrated and we couldn't communicate. And you know, all she, all she wanted was a washcloth, cold washcloth over her face. And she was so happy. And it's crazy how you're doing so much for the patient. And then you do that one simple task and they feel so thankful for you, you know? So definitely the empathy part and everything will not be replaced by robots. Yeah. Yeah, the need the needs are met, and there's just there's physical needs, there emotional needs. There's not just you know one set of needs. You know, a person wants to get better, but there's more that comes along with that. And just because you treat the person's symptom doesn't mean you know they're actually getting better as a whole. You know, it'd be actually cool to see now that now that you brought up like extubations, because sometimes extubations you know obviously fail and and it sucks. You got to reintubate the person. What if they made like an AI that has a better predictability on when you should intubate somebody or when you should wean Next. someone's medication or not, or not intubate, but extubate, you know, if they, that, I think that'd be cool if they had a, had like an AI program that, that predicts best time to, to extubate. I think that'd be really cool. All right, Peter. Well, Saturday, let's take a note, notebook out. Let's take a pen. Let's draw some ideas. <laughs> let's, yeah, fig- let's figure this out while you're getting better. All righty. So let's go. Um, we're done with AI here, right? So let's talk about diet. And I feel like diet is complicated for a lot of people. People don't know how to properly read nutrition labels. They don't know what's going on. We know that food is medicine, but there's always a new fad that's like popping in. You know, one day it's keto and every, you know, you go to vitamin shop, there's three shelves of keto products. Next, next thing is the whole, you know, veganism thing. There's always, there's, there's these fads in our culture and Let's let's break it down for people, and we're gonna break it down by food groups that they should and shouldn't eat to simplify it um, instead of like a specific diet that they should have. One thing I want to mention is diet definitely gets gets overlooked. There's so many people out there that say they don't feel well, you know, they don't feel good, they always feel sick, you know, they lack lack energy. But what they fail to think about is like the stuff they eat. They just they just kind of eat so they feel full. They feel like you know, satisfied. And then, and that's really all they think of food is that something that they put in your mouth, you eat it and you just feel, you feel, feel full, which is completely false because you basically are, are what you eat for lack of a better, better phrase here. But you got to pay attention to the foods you eat because there's something called you know, empty calories where these, 
these food groups, these foods don't really provide any kind of nutrition. They just make you feel full and they're not doing any benefit for you. So people that a lot of times complain about not feeling good or having lack of energy, like I said before, the one thing they always neglect is, is a food. They try to change everything else. They try to work out more. They try to go outside more, but but they're still eating the same same junk. And you know you have to treat yourself as a whole as a whole human being. So you got to do like you heard of holistic medicine. You got to treat yourself holistically as well. So you can't just look at your activity. You can't look at your mindset. You, you got to look at what you're eating as well. Consuming good food is the best way for you to stay healthy and just for you to stay, stay healthy because you literally are what you eat. And we talked about it before in previous podcasts too, but I see it with nurses too, where they say, oh, I'm doing A, B, and C, I'm working out. But when you look at what they're eating, they're still consuming the same crappy shit that's keeping them in that place, you know? It's very intuitive. One of the most most common diseases in the United States right now is, is, is diabetes, right? And it's specifically type 2 diabetes. So 95% of people that are diabetic are type 2 diabetic. That's directly related to your diet. Type 1 diabetes that's your more that's your insulin dependent one, and that usually has to do with the pancreas and genetics that, that you go through. But type two diabetes, it's I don't want to say it's all your fault because some people are more uh, predominantly um, at risk for for diabetes because of their genetics. But if your blood sugars are borderline diabetic, and your physician says, "Hey, you gotta change your diet because your outlook is you getting diabetes in the next you know six months to a year or one year to five years." That that's up to you. Like that's all we could tell you. Hey, you gotta you gotta change. You gotta do this because the information you're giving us, the labs show that you're pre-diabetic. So if you don't want to become diabetic, hey, change your lifestyle, eat healthy, stop smoking, work out a little bit, go outside, keep the stress down, and you won't get diabetes. But that that's on to you. And remember, you're borderline. So what you do from here is gonna impact your results in the future. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to talk shit about like genetics or anything, but we're talking about diabetes, right? And we say 90 to 95% is type two, which is more prone to diet. I feel like a lot of people play the victim mentality and they're like, oh yeah, my family had it. And they're playing the victim of, you know, it was passed down and it's genetic. I'm going to call you out and say BS. It's, I don't think it's genetic. It's more environmental. Let's use that word. And the reason why it's environmental is because your parents have diabetes and their lifestyle choices. They raised you based on the same um, environment, you eating the same food because that's what they consume. And then it exposes you to having diabetes. I don't think it's genetic. I think it's more environmental when it comes to at least type two. Definitely. Type two is definitely environmental. Like you could repeat the same actions over and over again. and You're going to keep in the same results. So if your parents on the, are on the same diet, eating shitty, and you're eating the same way they are, and they're diabetic, then yeah, you're going to be diabetic. It's not like you're immune to it for, for, for some reason. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It's like, I don't know why people want to keep blaming, hey, my, you know, my mom died of stroke or my dad died of stroke. They, they both my parents died of stroke, so I'm going to die of stroke. Yeah, you are more susceptible to you know, going out with a stroke, but look at what else they did. Were they obese? Were they overweight? Did they not exercise? Did they have a high stress job? Did they eat poorly? Those factors are also, those factors play a huge role compared to just genetics. Because if you're going to say that this person died of stroke, then what is the point of you living or doing anything anything different if you're going to die of stroke anyway? So you just sit on the couch and, and do, do nothing. If you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to go out with a stroke. That's not really fair to say. And you're not being fair to yourself either. It's, it's very limited. It's, it's beliefs technically what it comes down to, right? Yeah. 
I, I hate playing the victim, man. I've realized it too, just from being more self-aware of not to do those things. Yeah, and I think one of the most beneficial nutrition from a nutrition standpoint you could do is probably like the first topic here is 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 nuts and seeds. How often do you see people eat nuts and seeds? I don't see a lot of people eat eat that as a snack at all. I don't see people bring almonds or, or pistachios to lunch. It's usually like like chips or cookies. And I feel like like a small snack like that, like nut like nuts seeds is is something great to incorporate in your diet because it's it's so small, but it's it has a big punch. Like you have a a lot of good healthy fats in there, a lot of fibers in there, in there as well. And something that you can incorporate in any kind of diet. It's not like you're going to sit down and have a giant Petri dish of, you know, of, of seeds. No, just put some in a baggie and just, you know, snack on it at, at work. And you're introducing a bunch of nutrition into your day. Yes, yes. And um, nuts and seeds, uh, the reason why they're so important is think about them like they're life-giving food. So nuts and seeds literally give rise to life. Um, eating sprouted breads and things like that. There's so much nutritional value in the sprouts that people say to consume, like fiber, you said fats. Um, there's also called polyphenols, which has a range of health benefits from like, you know, gut bacteria to our livers. I think they're doing studies and they're using polyphenols to help with like fatty liver disease and even cirrhosis. So cellular function, there's so much that you should be, there's, there's no reason why you shouldn't be eating nuts and seeds. And they, they are, um, I'm blanking out here. They are both for vegans. They're both for carnivores. You could eat them on keto. So definitely nuts and seeds. doesn't matter what diet, what regimen you're following, you could consume it in your diet. And even if you have a hard time getting them in, there's, you could even do chia seeds where if you, if you didn't take your pistachios, your almonds to work, why don't you take three tablespoons, mix it with some water, make it like a chia seed drink, consume that. There's so many ways to get your nutrition in like that. Even if you just have like a, make like a fruit salad, you could throw some nuts in your fruit salad or even oatmeal, you could throw some, some nuts in there. Same with uh, like a, like a vegetable salad with like lettuce. You could, people throw nuts in there and in there, cranberries, all that jazz. Yeah. Like this is so super easy to incorporate in, in your life and like, but don't do it. And it could be a difference between your, know, diabetes and not diabetes because maybe you just needed a, a, a bag of, you know, seeds instead of those chips and a cookie and you would have been just as full and, you know, you better would have been healthier. I'm such a nut freak. I'm a nut freak. I'm such a, like a health freak with like specific things. Like, like a couple of days ago, I wanted to get some um, like chips or I wanted to get like, Oh, it was avocado chips. I look at the label. It says like vegetable oil and I know how bad vegetable oil is. We should do a podcast episode about it, by the way. And I'm, I, I put shit down, man. I don't care. I'll put freaking bags of my my cravings. My self-discipline are greater than my cravings, and I'll put anything down. Um, but lately, almonds, they have been a snack. Um, based, based on Australian um, dietary guidelines here, I use Australian. I couldn't find an American one that was very reliable. 30 grams, guys, per day, which um, is equivalent to equivalent to 30 almonds. 30 pistachios, 15 pecans, or 15 cashews. However you that's want to even, do it. That's not even that much. And I don't, pistachios are kind of expensive in, in certain places. So you don't need to have pistachios. You could do like almonds. I, I, like, I like almonds. You know, I've, not going to lie, when this family brought some almonds, but they weren't plain almonds. They were like the ones with like the, the sugar oh. and, like, and, like, like, and like the coating around it, like during the holidays. Man, those were, those were delicious. I don't recommend a large amount of those, but those are really good. And I had to bring them up. You had at least 60, huh? Probably easy. Two servings at least. 
I probably got like a good 60 grams in there, but that's probably like half of that sugar. So probably not, not, not the best, but sorry guys. I'm, I'm not going to lie doing the chia seed drinks too. Like, um, I don't know if you ever done it before you take like three tablespoons, put some water in there, orange juice, you leave it overnight and you could drink it the next day and it actually fills you up really well. It's good for your gut. It's good for a fiber source. I'm trying to get more fiber in. That's something I recommend for everybody to try. And it's 2020. You make that New Year resolution. I want to eat more, more nuts and more seeds. But the next, go ahead. I feel like the whole 2020 fat could be like, it could be talked with everything. We could say 2020 for everything. We, we 2020, make- better AIs. Yeah, that's 2020, guys. Next one. Eat more fruits and vegetables in 2020. That's a good um, one. So that's a so yeah. So we did nuts and seeds. The second one, which is a food group you should consume, is fruits and vegetables. And we know that having more color is better. And we know that eating vegetables has many benefits. And it they doesn't they they don't necessarily have to be fresh. You could also eat frozen vegetables if you want to, you know, have them longer shelf life. You could either cut up your vegetables and store it in the refrigerator, but there's tons of tons of benefits when it comes to fruits and veggies. And the good thing about fruits is they're nice and sweet, you know, so you get your sugar that way. I, I like fruit salad. Usually I go to my store and the most predominant fruit I see uh, at the grocery store I go to is usually strawberries, blueberries, and pineapple. But I don't really always get pineapple because sometimes I don't feel like cutting it. You know, I'd rather cut some strawberries up. Add, you know, fruit, I mean, it's, 20, it's 21st century, come on guys. Fruit and vegetables are widely available everywhere. So there's no reason for you to not to not not eat them. Um, the CDC or the, what what the dietary recommendation recommendation for sugars is what like 25 grams or something like that, which doesn't doesn't seem like a lot, but like that's a pretty good amount of fruit with 25 grams of sugar. And for with like with carnivore diets, I've been looking at carnivore diets maybe like a month ago. Is a lot of people that are on the carnivore diet, like, yeah, it's cool. All they do is eat meat, high protein, however, but they also take multivitamins. That's what they, that's what people always tend to neglect is, yeah, I'm on this diet, but I'm also taking these supplements because I don't get that through my diet. So like with all these fad diets, like carnivore diet, vegan diet, all, all that jazz, like no, no diet is perfect. You're always going to use supplement with some kind of you know, multivitamin or some kind of a vitamin because you're not going to be able to get all these nutrients from one specific diet. And if I, I feel like if you eat everything under the sun, like that one guy told us a couple of years ago that he, majority of the time he eats fruits, vegetables, he's more plant-based, but he does eat meat occasionally. The thing is you got to eat everything under the sun. Like everything's here for, for us to eat and different vitamins come from different places. You can't get, get all your vitamins from just one source, one, one type of food. Are you, are you talking about the guy in um, Colorado from that um, vegan store? Yes. So okay. cool. So cool how we just um, we just did some mind, uh, what is it called? Hive mindset that we both thought about the same person. Um, one thing when it comes to fruits, I feel like some people are scared when it comes to the consumption of sugar. But the, the thing is, is you're not eating processed sugars. You're eating sugar in their natural form, which is totally okay, guys. H- having sugar in a natural form preserved with all the minerals, vitamins, everything that they have there is totally okay to have. What starts becoming a problem is when you, once you start having sugar in its um, unnatural form, which is from, you know, processed foods, soda and all, you know, everything in um, those lines. Yes. 
Yeah, you're not gonna get you're not gonna get fat away from from eating too much fruit. That's usually not how it works. It's usually something else you're, you're eating. A lot of people say that yeah, I eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, and I'm still gaining weight. Well, yeah, you eat a lot of fruits and vegetables, but like you're not just eating fruits and vegetables, you're eating other stuff as well, right? You just say yeah, but majority of fruits and vegetables. Well, they cut off the other shit out of your diet, and you're probably not gonna gain weight. You know. One thing that worries me when it comes to like lifting and all that, and this is like a side topic here is I, I love to eat my fruits and vegetables, but sometimes I'm just like, dude, I don't think I'm getting enough protein. Um, and that's another debate where, you know, in, in the gym industry, they say you should be eating at least one gram per body part, which is like 180 grams for me. Like, dude, that's a lot of freaking chicken and eggs and, and things like that, that to consume. So do you consume that much protein or is it okay just to have that balance and not have as much protein? You're still gonna, you know, gain muscle. I mean, you're not, you can, you can be fine. You don't need to hit, hit the one gram. Well, sure. Like you can realize that people that's, that say, Hey, if you work out, you go to the gym, you should at least be having one gram per, per body weight or per, per pound of body weight. Yeah. But that was something created by people that are in no the like workout in, no, in like the workout industry. So yeah, if you, you know, if you're, if you're a bodybuilder, if you're a power lifter, yeah, you, you got to hit that one to 1.5 gram per pound of body weight. Yeah, but that's their job. Their, their job is to eat this food to be at, at the performance. You're not a bodybuilder. You're not a weightlifter. You're just doing it. You're just working out because you want to work out. So you don't need to hit that. You don't need to hit that one one gram of of power. You don't got to hit that one gram of protein per pound every day. It's, it's not gonna. It's, it's probably not even gonna do you that big of a deal. You could probably go go like 0.5 to like 0.8, and you'll still you'll be just as fine. You're not a bodybuilder. Your your, your job isn't to consume food and work out all day. No, it's not what you, not what you do for a living. Like to, to function, we don't got to hit that, that one gram per pound. And then definitely every single body is different. One diet doesn't work for you and it works for the other person. So definitely have to fine tune your own machine, right? Um, let's go into the third one. So the third um, food group we should be consuming are healthy fats, predominantly from seafood. And don't be afraid of fats, guys. I feel like fats get a, a bad rep. Um, get your omega threes when it comes when it comes to sources from like salmon, tuna. Um, I love eating um, scallops, even though they're on the pricier side. Same thing with shrimps. But get your get your fats in, guys. Seafood is super super beneficial. The fats you should avoid is like the trans fats, like your 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 butter and your margarine, all those like solid at room temperature that they, they you get in like a box. So I enjoy seafood. I did buy shark one time and I like pan fried it, and I was not a fan at all. I, it's the first time I ever had shark and it was like, it, it was gamey, but not like how a deer tastes when it's like compared to other meats compared to like chicken or, or, can you or beef. Can you please tell me what gamey means? Like gamey, like uh, uh animal that you hunt. Okay. Like a, like a deer is a, it's a gamey meat because you they go out and hunt that compared to like farm raised where you get the cow, the pork, things like that. Same with like, like elk, things like that, where you got to physically hunt and, and, and get it. And same with shark. Shark, there's not really any kind of like, I'm sure there's like shark farms out there, but shark is considered like a gamey meat. It's, it's a predator. It's a predatory animal and you got to hunt for it. And I was not a fan of it at all. It tastes like super, like, I, I like seafood. I like fish. I like the taste, but this was like overly, overly fishy and it was not my thing. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have made shark. Maybe I made it wrong, but I'm pretty good at cooking and it just was super fishy, super gross. I wonder if it's super fishy for eating too much fish because it's a shark. Maybe. I mean, who knows? <laughs> what if it was a vegan shark? What if it ate a lot of algae? I mean, God bless that shark, man. It must have had a different mouth for those teeth. 
Um, but you got, with, with seafood, though, you got to be careful, too, because I know, know there's like giant corporation, man, like the salmon farms, they genetically modify salmon to look, to look more pink. So if you can try to kind of reach a little bit where the salmon is coming from, same with like tilapia farms. Uh, I heard tilapia is not the, not the best best fish to eat, but I mean, I enjoy it. I'm, I make it all the time and I've, I haven't got any kind of mercury poisoning from it or, or anything like that. But if you're really worried, because just like with any other animal, we could genetically modify these animals to kind of fit our needs, like chicken. We could make them more, more, more breasty, you know, just so if you're going to sell them for, for breasts or you can make them, you know, thighs bigger, thing, things like that. We could, we could alter them. Same with like, like fish. We can make them more pink, like it's salmon, more, uh, more fleshy, like, like tilapia. So just kind of, if you really are like a health thought, you can always look up where you're getting this salmon from and see if it's getting raised properly or if it's getting caught or is it made, made on a farm? Because technically this should all, all be out in the public. You just got to reach this company. And that's the thing where like food labels don't tell you whether it's like genetically modified f- fish or whatever. Like that's even with animals, it doesn't even happen a lot. Like most corn is genetically modified, but they don't label that it's a GMO at the store, which is unfair technically, because what if I don't want to consume GMO? What side effects does GMO have long-term? You know, like there's not enough research that shows consuming, you know, genetically modified foods for the past like 20 years, what kind of effects it has? Cause it's so new. With and- GMO, with, with GMO, I think it's a fine line because like, like think about it. It's 21st century, you know, many of our food is like genetically modified for our taste. Like a majority of fruits are, are, are modified. Like, have you ever seen like a strawberry, how big it is here. But if you go to like a garden and get like a natural grown strawberry, that's like half the size, maybe even a quarter of the size. So yeah, things are genetically modified. Of course, it's, that's we're humans. We've learned to genetically modify these things to provide, you know, more nutrition because they're not just modifying the size. They're also being able to modify the nutritional value in, inside these things as well. They can bring out certain vitamins and it's not, just because it's GMO doesn't necessarily mean that it's horrible for you because the majority of the food you're going to eat is going to have some kind of genetic modification because that's what makes food of food abundant. You think, you know, corn could grow anywhere. How do you think we get, you know, f- fresh fruits here in Chicago during the winter? It's cold. You don't grow them anywhere here, but they grow them somewhere on a, on a farm where they just grow these fruits. They modify them to be more sturdy, you know, um, unfortunately they do spread with pesticides, but they make them more resistant to, to certain bugs. And that's how we, we get this food. That's how we stay healthy as, as, a, as, a, as a human race because we are able to genetically modify these fruits to withstand certain temperatures and make them more abundant. Damn humans, man. We're always up to no damn good. Um, and, that, and that's the thing when it comes to fish. That's the kicker here that we should be avoiding where, where the catch is, what the farm is, and all that because we have to avoid mercury. And unfortunately, humans are the responsibility of why fish have mercury. We are the reason why there's um, PCBs, which is polychlorinated biphenyls in the in the environment. Um, and what PCBs are is they were used for insulation, coolants, and lubricants, and they spilled spilled into the environment. Now they're found in our air, water, and soil, but they stopped producing it in 1977. So we're seeing smaller um, doses of it in animals. Still there. Still be careful. So. When it comes to seafood, you want to you want to avoid the most common fish to have um, the highest level of mercury. So shark, Peter, probably that's why it's so fishy because it had a lot of mercury. Shark, um, swordfish, king mackerel, avoid that. Anything with a shell, shellfish, shrimp, light tuna, salmon, they have lower levels of mercury. So stick with those. Yeah, I like my shrimp. I made some shrimp scampi a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was delicious. I like I like seafood. 
don't know, because I used to be a, I used to like frozen shrimp. I always used to like eat shrimp with like the the, the sauce. But I don't know. Now I'm kind of, I haven't had frozen shrimp for a while. When I buy shrimp, I usually get it um, like fresh. I don't, I don't know why. Like it's um, it tastes better for me for some reason. But I used to always get frozen shrimp because I just like like the taste of it. But now for some reason, like I switch over to like fresh shrimp. It costs a little, a little more, and it's you get less of it. But I've I've no idea. I'm not. It's, I just cook it and I just eat it. So you have to buy it right from the store, like when it's just in the um, in the little ice bins. Exactly. Yeah. And I, usually now when I do my seafood, because used to with with seafood, what I used to do is I, I used to buy it even if I buy it fresh, I'll just throw it in the freezer. Which I thought to myself, I'm like. That's really kind of pointless for me to do because I'm better off just buying the, the frozen if I'm going to put it in, in a freezer. So uh, with seafood, especially what, what I tend to do now is if, if I'm going to make seafood, I usually buy it the day prior. Just because, what's, like I said, what's the point of buying seafood three, four days ahead of time and then storing it in the freezer and then, you know, bring it out and having it defrost? You might, you might just buy the frozen one. So uh, what I have a habit of doing now, if I'm going to get seafood, I just buy it the day before. It tastes a lot better. I do that with um, salmon though. I buy, I buy the salmon fresh, but I still store it in the freezer because I don't know when I eat food. And I have a tendency because I've been living alone. Like, dude, I'll like buy something. I won't eat it for like four or five days. I'm like, shit, I don't think it tastes good anymore. So yeah, I, so I'm, I, especially I with seafood because I feel like seafood does, doesn't, doesn't last as long as, you know, like, like, like beef or chicken or, or turkey. You just throw it in the freezer and have it sit there for like a, like a week or two if you really wanted to. But seafood, I feel like it goes bad so much quicker and just... And if once it stays there for a few days, it doesn't even loses its taste. I feel like so I just buy it fresh now and just cook it that time and eat it within the next like two to three days. We should, we but, should have you. Hmm? We should have a YouTube channel here, cooking with Matt and Peter, man. All these little secrets with cooking, cooking with nurses, you know. But the next uh, topic we want to bring up, guys, is, is processed food. We've I'm sure you guys heard us talk about this many times before, and it's like. We're just going to beat this in, into your brain. So try to avoid processed food, hot dogs, anything kind of frozen beef, like frozen sausage that, that, that you would get at the store. Try to avoid those because that's all filled with nitrates, filled with salts. And those we know cause free radicals in your body, especially nitrates. And they, they are prone to inflammation in your gut and just cancer itself. I know the research on antioxidants isn't as promising as it once was. But we still know about free radicals and, and these nitrates and these processed foods, they release free radicals, which ultimately release inflammation and, and, and cause cancer. Yeah. Um, processed meats. And so just to kind of know where people are, if they're still listening, now we're going to talk about the three food groups to avoid. So processed meats, of course, they're very affordable. They're in our diet everywhere in Western society. Just don't freaking eat them. They're bad. Like you said, we're beating the damn horse. Um, also, when, when you cook uh, meats, especially the processed ones, the red meats, um, they create um, heterocyclic and polycyclic amines. Um, and these are carcinogens. Um, there's a lot of chemicals that basically show that these free radicals and everything else in meats damage the colon, causes cancer. That's, I think, why our Polish people have so much um, colon CA based on this stuff. I don't think there's much else to talk about it. Avoid processed meats. So like my, my opinion with this is, is these things that they put in their foods, they, they might be considered safe for consumption, but you got to realize that when we get this, this meat, it's raw. So yeah, this chemical might be safe for consumption when you eat it straight, you know, like if you grab the chemical, put it in your mouth and you eat it, but these foods are being cooked. And obviously when you cook something, it, there's a process with it, to this, and it, you're, 
you're putting things in high temperatures and it, it reacts with heat. This leads to you know different chemicals coming out of the actual chemical, which which are going to be harmful. Which people don't people don't really companies don't test for it because they're just going to say yeah it's safe to consume. So watch how much you consume of it, but but it's safe. But they don't say hey when you cook it it releases the, these compounds and now it's considered less safe than it originally was. Yeah, just like um, nitrates and bacon, right? Like it's there's nitrates, but what happens when the nitrate you know gets exposed to high temps? We don't know. I don't know. Just avoid it. Yes. Um, the next one that you should avoid, which is sugary drinks and refined carbs. And we know Western society is very, has a high amount of that. We know that sugar is bad. It's, it has zero nutritional value. So not only are you consuming empty calories, you're not getting any proteins, vitamins, minerals that your body needs. Um, overconsumption of sugary drinks causes liver damage. We know that fatty liver disease or fatty liver is not only an alcoholic thing, it's also related to too much fructose. All that is bad, guys. Um, we know that fructose in sugary drinks is also bad because it messes with appetite control hormones, right? Um, eating fructose basically tells um, ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone, it doesn't get excited, it doesn't get turned on. So you're consuming a lot of calories, which is filling your body, where your body's still telling you that it's hungry because it doesn't know what it's consuming. It's artificial. All these damn empty calories, but goddamn, are they so good? <laughs> we're not. We're not saying you, you guys. We're not saying you guys can't enjoy like like these things. But if it's like a staple of your of your diet, you're not doing yourself any kind of benefit. You gotta have the well same with power as, as Matt. You know, he reads the, the damn label, and if it's if it has a certain type of oil or a certain type of food that he doesn't want. He puts that thing down. Even though he wants those damn avocado chips, he's not going to eat them because it had some kind of palm oil or whatever oil, vegetable oil that you said wasn't it. Yes. So this is where you got to think long-term. So what is your short-term win with this food? You're going to feel good. It's going to taste good in your mouth. Great. But think about it in the long term. It's not going to have you feel full for very long. So you're going to have some. Half an hour later, you're going to feel empty again and you're going to reach for that snack again. Compared to eating like a fruit or a vegetable or a piece of meat where it's going to hold you over longer. It's going to make you full for a longer period of time. And you're getting nutrition out of that. So that's why you're feeling, feeling full for longer because that has some kind of nutritional benefit for you. Unlike these, these chips, these Cheetos, these Doritos, they have no nutritional benefit for you at all. So yeah, you're eating it. Your stomach might feel full because it's, it's stretching and it feels full while your body is still hungry because there's nothing beneficial from it. You're not getting any kind of vitamins. You're getting these simple carbs that you know, they raise your blood sugar and then, you know, they drop you back down and it feels, feels good. It feels good. But then in the long run, you're getting no benefit whatsoever. Your body is still craving. You have no energy. Like, yeah, you feel full, but there's no energy being processed or released into your body. Your cells can't survive off that. That's why you get hungry so quickly. Isn't that interesting how diabetes happen because of having too much sugar? So there's resistance that's get created. But when you consume sugar, your body doesn't know that it's being fed and it's, it's full. So not only are you consuming something that's bad for you, you're over-consuming because your body is not even aware of that it's bad or that, that, you, that it's getting full. It's such a freaking double-edged sword here, man, that causes diabetes. Um, it's crazy how that works. I, I thought about it too right now. I'm like, holy shit, man, that's, that sucks, dude. Sugar is just bad, man. And if you're like a um, – like a not a sugar fiend like me, but if you're like – if you love sweets, like you have a – Yeah, sweet, sweet tooth. tooth. That's what it's called, a sweet tooth. Like there's, there's ways to go about it. Like what I like to do is if I have like a little piece of brownie, I'll cut a little piece. And after I have my salmon and Brussels sprouts, I have a little piece or 
I'll take out the strawberries after I ate them, you know, take my knife, put some peanut butter on it and just dig in to get that sweet tooth. Um, oatmeal as well. I put some oatmeal with some honey, some blueberries. That's my sweet tooth there. I'll add a little packet of stevia if I want that extra sugar kick. And I get I keep myself satisfied just so I'm not reaching over for Oreos or they're not in my fridge to begin or they're not in my house to begin with, but it prevents me from consuming the shitty stuff that I shouldn't be eating. If you train yourself to make it like as a reward, like, you know, was a Pavlov train, train those dogs or whatever with the, with the bell or whatever, you, you can literally train your body to, to kind of strict a regimen. And then it, it knows that, Hey, I've eaten healthy for this whole day. I could have like four Oreos or I could have peanut butter or I could have pancakes tomorrow in the morning. Even like if you, if you go to the gym and if you track your macros, what I do sometimes, not all the time, because sometimes I don't have the time to, but what I do is sometimes before midnight, I see that I haven't hit enough calories in, in my diet to kind of sustain the amount of energy I, I consume today. So I use that as reward. So I say, hey, I have 100, you know, like 200 calories left over at 150. What can I eat as a snack to kind of fill me over with those calories? Because I, I hit all my nutrition. I hit all my protein that I needed. I hit, I hit all the fiber that I needed. So now, now what can I eat to kind of reward myself in, in a way I have two extra calories, 200 extra calories. What can I, what can I do? So I, I have a little snack or, you know, or I'll plan my meals around the package, the package that I plan on eating in the morning, but don't just make it pancakes where you do pancakes and you put jelly on it and then syrup and then, you know, almond butter or Nutella, where it's just like packed on the, on the carbs and calories for, for no reason. If you're going to have pancakes, yeah, have that be your little reward. Do pancakes, put a little bit of peanut butter on there. You got some syrup. But also throw in some fruits in there too, or something healthier. Put some some seeds or some nuts on there. Do you what's it called? Do you um cut your calories? I, I try to. It just depends. Usually if I'm if it's hit or miss. I I try to. I'm probably 50-50. I'm trying to get a little bit better at it since since the New Year's, but I don't always have a sometimes I do have the time. Sometimes I just I'm just like I just don't feel it sometimes. I'm just like whatever. I just I kind of, you know, don't want to start doing it, which is bad on my part, but it's all about, you know, getting that routine down and kind of just making it a habit. Routine and habit, baby. Let's get it. Last one, guys. Um, and I feel like we should have told like people the the, um, the three bad ones, three good ones, because it's 50 minutes in and now they're finally getting the third one in. Well, good. Um, they got they got us into a full 45 first to get the third one. That is true. So eat less salt, guys, especially packaged foods. We know that salt is bad. It's freaking bad for our CHF patients. Like I had a guy that... Uh, two days ago, I was taking care of him. He came in because he was eating salami from um, from Amazon. He wasn't taking his diuretic. Came in for CHF, CHF exacerbation, guys. We know that salt is bad. It raises your bloodstream. It's at risk for um, hypertension. It reduces the abilities of our kidneys to remove water. Like It's no bueno, guys. Avoid it. Look at your labels. The thing with, with, with sodium is we need sodium to survive. But we've gotten to that point where there's sodium in almost everything that we eat. And think about it. What we talked about in the beginning was processed foods. If you eliminate those processed foods or you, or you lower them, you're going to eliminate the majority of the salt. You know, those processed foods are packed with, with salt because that's what gives them the, the shelf life is the nitrates and the sodium. Back in the day, salt was very valuable because it, was, it allowed you to preserve foods. Now they, now they pack it out because it's so widely accessible, so widely available. So, hey, instead of this food being okay to eat on the shelf for five days, throw us with salt. Now it's good for like, like two weeks. So these people just pack, 
pack and the salt into these foods. And you know what else? It tastes good too. Unfortunately, it, it does. But if you eliminate those processed foods, you're going to eliminate majority of, of your sodium. You know, you know, these, you know what's interesting? If, what? So you're talking about how these industries just keep packing on salt, right? It's funny how we allow these things to happen, right? And as more and more and more, we as consumers are becoming aware of this, we're finally seeing the industry changing based on how aware we are. Meaning we used to have a bunch of freaking trans trans fats. Now everything is zero trans fats, no trans fats because we realize it's bad for us. Now things are gluten-free. Now things are low sodium. So as we are getting smarter as consumers and we know it's bad for us, finally the health industry and the um, the people that produce these foods they're getting a little. They're they're getting better, and they're realizing, hey, we can't use high fructose corn syrup anymore because now people know that this shit's bad for you. There is, of course, people that still do it, but we we as people, as we're getting smarter, they're adjusting to us, you know. And the reason it works is because people are getting this knowledge. But the main reason it works is because people aren't buying these things. So if you don't support a company financially with you buying their high fructose corn syrup products guess what? They're not going to make it because they have no reason to because no one's buying it. So the best way to make a statement is using your wallet. If you don't, if you want to get rid of these unhealthy foods, these processed foods, just, just don't buy them. Minimize buying them because then it's going to cause a shift because the company's going to say, hey, we're not making money off this, this processed beef. So now we've got to maybe make it more natural because no one's going to buy it. We're not going to have it, have it sit on a shelf for years and years if they're not going to make any kind of money off it. So speak with your wallet. If, in, in this sense, it's probably the best thing to do. Yep. And that's what I, that's what I'm doing with eggs. For example, I'm always buying eggs. I'll pay the extra dollar, dollar 50 to get eggs that are free range. So no, no chemicals. I mean, I'm sorry, they're, um, range. They are no hormone fed and things like that. So I'm hoping eventually all these egg companies are going to have the same freaking chickens, meaning they're not going to feed them crap. They're not going to feed them hormones and they're going to allow them to walk around their little, um, plantation or whatever. And, Hopefully, I'll get cheaper eggs in the long run, right? Yeah, and then I feel like they taste a little bit better too. Like they're not like packed with all this because you gotta remember that that the egg is derived from the from chicken, right? So whatever the chicken eats is gonna be kind of passed down genetically to to like the egg yolk and everything. And I just feel like like cage free eggs, ones that are you know free to walk on a plantation, like Matt said. They're I think they just taste better, and they're happier chickens and make happier eggs, I guess. Freaking plantations, bro! A bunch of chicken slaves out here. What what came first, though, the egg or the chicken? I have no idea. That's that's been debated for centuries. But I think it's probably the chicken, right? At some point, if I'm not sure how long the chicken has been around for, but in my hypothesis is that I'm sure either one, two random animals made it and they formed a chicken, which which then it was the egg, right? So then the egg came first. I think the egg came first, right? Because two animals mated together to produce an egg that eventually arose to the chicken or two animals mated and the chicken is kind of a genetic error that happened to work in our favor. What about you? Um, I think definitely the egg came first, but like though the animal before the chicken already had this mechanism of creating a shell around, which is interesting. So eggs have been around for a while, but the chicken came from a, different type of egg you know what i'm saying i don't know if that makes sense i think it makes sense you know okay for sure what do you guys think you guys, do you guys think what came first chicken or the egg yeah let us know man in the comment section um so let's wrap this episode up man um we've been like over 50 minutes and i guess we never work on having short content which is okay man keep listening to us 
Um, this episode, we talked about um, radiologists. They're about to lose their damn job because of awesome Google AIs and AI that's emerging technology. Still new, but it's better at predicting breast cancer based on our study here by 11 point something percent. Cool. Um, and then three foods you should eat and shouldn't eat, guys. Get your nuts in. Get your veggies and fruits in. Get your omega-3s, healthy fats from fish. And avoid processed meats, high sodium. Jeez, I'm blanking out on the high thing. sugar. High sugar. Eat healthy, guys. You you know what's healthy and what isn't. Just make the proper choices. Don't complain. You know, don't say I'll do it tomorrow. Don't say I'll buy them next time I go shopping. Just buy them now. Get over with. Get used to eating these foods, and you know, live a healthy, happy life. It's 2020, baby. Make better choices. We'll see you guys next week. Peace out, guys. Deuces. Yeah. After hours. Are, are we doing this after hour thing or no? Or do you yeah. want to just figure we'll it just out? Make, we'll, make a, we'll make a quick one right now. Okay. I so I had a, I had a patient. Um, what what happened was back in the beginning of December, he went to get a heart cath. Um, or no, no, it's not a heart cath. He wants to do a stress test, and the stress test came out abnormal. They told him to come in for a heart cath. He refused and um, went home. And he coded four days later and uh, his daughter had to do CPR. She, she brought him back. Um, and now he's, he's with us, you know, barely surviving. He was on CRT, but the CRT machine clouded off. Um, I didn't have a for the CRT because I can't take CRTs. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing my class. I think the 20, don't take them. They one. suck. Actually, I'm looking forward to taking them because I think it's probably, it's hit or miss, but it's, it's a one-to-one. So it's, it'd be a cool experience. But, but I guess when they were doing a CRT is, they were literally pulling out cloth out of, out of the machine. That's how you know sick this this, this guy was. He he was anticoagulation, but but he's just he's basically his heart's so bad that the blood is just just clotting. I feel like he's gonna go into a, a DIC. But so the CRT machine clotted off. So I I had him overnight. This was restart CRT today, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, this guy didn't want to come in for a heart cath and end up having a cold put a bloom pump in him, brought him to us. And now he's, he's, there's literally nothing we could do. He's, uh, came into, to, to Christ or to my hospital. Well, now you guys know where I work. So fuck my life, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, so he, he, he basically came to us for a high risk cabbage and the surgeon decided not to do the cabbage because he's too high risk. So we're pushing palliative care now. Um, oh. See, dude, the car garages spoke with the family. The family wants everything to be done because, like, imagine, you know, you doing CPR on your on your dad. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, it's like you brought him back to life, and now, you know, he's technically not. He's not going to make it. Like, from from a medical standpoint, he we tried extubating him, uh, didn't do well on high flow. Had reintubate him. Now we're going to end up probably pushing the trach in the next few weeks. Dude, that's that's fucking messed up, man. Having cases like this. Um, I was, I was actually going to ask you whether, what kind of artery he had clogged or what kind of coronary. Cause usually when, you know, you do the LADs, they, they get an MI there, their shit, but he has a, he needs a cabbage, man. So he's effed to begin with. Yeah. I um, mean, he's, he's, he's a high risk. Like we do high risk cases, but this guy is, we, well, we refused his, his case cause it's, it's just so bad. I actually had an interesting case, um, two days ago. So, you, you know, remember I haven't worked ICU in a long ass time because I've been floating a lot. So I finally had my pretty serious case. Um, I, I had an intubated patient, um, came in for necrotizing fasciitis. 
basically dude's giant butt wound dude huge as hell man pure fucking bone um and um intubated following commands everything's okay a little bit agitated she's on presidex and fentanyl and randomly around 10 30 i'm trying to reposition her and she gets tacky into the like the 150s up uh, she got cardioverted before by the way for afib rvr hmm. um, 150 160 and bro is not following commands does not respond to pain i'm freaking pressing my pen line against her nail beds no response and she's just staring off to space like this and, I, and I'm just like, what the fudge, dude? She is stroking out. She's having a damn stroke. I don't know. And like, I, I get another nurse in there because we're, we're supposed to reposition her. She's like, uh, yeah, I think you should call the doctor. I'm like, yeah, dude, there's some, there's definitely something up, dude. She goes, she's going in the 190s. I don't know if it's AFib or SVT. Pressures are dropping in the 70s and 80s. I'm like, yep, yeah, Dota. So that doctor comes in um, and we cardiovert her, dude. We shock her twice. Um, and like, dude, it was just weird. And after we shocked her the second time, she's finally moving something. I don't know if she was having a seizure, but did some dig, um, started amio and things like that, and she got better. But it was just so strange, dude. One thing about it, she's probably has like, I mean, first of all, her blood pressure was like an eighty, so she's probably not not perfusing properly, especially because yeah. and if she's afib, she, she's not filling properly either. So your cardiac output's going to be complete shit first. AFib makes you make AFib RVR makes your cardiac output go to shit first off, yeah. and now if she's hypotensive, that's fucking that's another thing lowers your cardiac output. So yeah, she's probably not perfusing to her brain. She's probably fucking like, what right. the fuck is going on? She wait, but yeah, she doesn't remember the the whole scene, so I had to explain to her while she's intubated. But like, so she was hypotensive after the fact. So yeah, you're right. AFib lowered her cardiac output, so you never know. She wasn't probably perfusing. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, your your body could handle AFib for for a little bit, but once you get into the high high AFib RVRs, like that's not stable for a very long time because nothing's getting filled, you know. So of course, pressure is going to drop because what the fuck are you pushing out? Nothing, you know. Yep. Oh. Um, I'm trying to see if I had any other cool cases. We had a we did have a kidney that coded that. Oh yeah, that we rushed to to the OR. I guess uh, we had a kidney transplant come in um, twelve hours post op. Hyperkalemic, um, shit up coding. Um, she went to pulses, VTAC, uh, coded her for a little bit. Hemoglobin came back at like, I think it was like six or whatever, or maybe I think it might have been eight, six or eight. But the thing is that it dropped from like 12, was her, uh, was her basically baseline that we never got her back. So we were thinking she's hyperkalemic, so that's probably what made her go to the, to the, to cardiac arrest. And then she was also bleeding from somewhere, so that's why we called the surgeons. But the surgeons came came in at like two o'clock in the morning to open open. I think it was a guy, whoever, whatever the patient was, open her back up because yes, sir, there were he was bleeding from the the osmosis. I think that's what the word is called, where they fuse the arteries together so they can perfuse the kidney. I guess that was bleeding. Oh shit! So yeah, so it was, was pretty bad. It was it was you know, it's unfortunate. Usually kidneys are are, are pretty you know pretty. They're like they have a high high success rate, you know. But she happens sometimes, and you, you can't really prevent it. This guy, yeah, this guy just didn't have it. It kind of sucks because the hospital I'm working at right now, like, dude, they don't have like high acuity, bro. They don't have a they don't have any like cardiovascular cases, so they don't have any VATS procedures. They don't have endorectomies, like they don't have balloon pumps. They don't have CRT. It's like, bro, it's just like a medical ICU. That's like like a little community kind of hospital, you could say. 
Yeah, and I and I don't mind it, but it's whatever, man. I mean, that that case that I had that you just heard that was good enough for me, man. I was like, oop. Um, of yeah, course, I mean, as long as you know the money's there, you know, it doesn't really matter where you work. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, you're right. I mean, and at the same time, it's like, dude, am I am I trying to be more stressed out dealing with these things? But I've I, I've been more dealing with like just needy patients, man, and just like a patient that's like needs a back rub, he needs some ice packs, and I'm just walking around and being like a nice little servant at a five star mm-hmm. hotel, man. That's, yeah, there that's you go, the shit I've been dealing with. Yeah, I mean, I don't see my I don't see myself doing ICU for like for my whole career just because I'm. The stress does get to me sometimes. Like sometimes I don't, I feel like the amount of work I put in, you know, there's no kind of results for it. Like I'm not saying that like results as in, like I feel like I'm, I'm doing everything I can to help these patients, but they just, they're just too sick like to be helped. And it's nothing like, um, nothing on my unit or anything like that. It's just, sometimes like, like you, you, you want these people to, you know, survive and get better, but they just don't. And I, sometimes that just eats away at you a little bit. So, and that, and that's one thing why I'm excited to get that band as well. So people that are listening, we're getting like a whoop band, which checks mm-hmm. your, it checks your like heart rate variability and things like that, because the way you're feeling is different because that's a mental thing. It's different from how your body is feeling, how your body's reacting. And, you know, we're, we're working night shift. We're not freaking sleeping. We're dealing with crazy ass stress. So I wonder when we're getting our body measurements, how effed up is our body actually working yeah. the job that we do, man. Like I'm, I'm so excited to just see, man. It's yeah, probably makes you right. That big. Cause for me, I always kind of do it just for sleep, but that should bring, bring that up. I'm kind of curious. Like I wonder how it affects when I'm really stressed at work or if someone's going fucking down or someone's coding or, or if I don't know what to do in a certain situation, I wonder how it's going to affect me. Right. Cause I'm looking at my Apple watch and remember, I usually only wear my Apple watch when I'm at work. I don't use it a lot when I'm at home. And my heart rate variability is only 42, which means it's not good because it's very low. It's not high. So at work, technically, my um, is it so my sympathetic nervous system is probably shot up way too much, man, because there's no variability between the two. So right. I, I wonder after a few you know weeks how I'm actually doing, how my sleep is, if I'm getting enough REM sleep, all that. Yeah, that's it's good. We should we should break we should break our um, whoop down every month. No, it'd be pretty cool, man. Having a podcast episode about it. That's what I'm saying. That's definitely content that we could use, man. And I I feel like it's very beneficial for nurses because sometimes, you know, they experience burnout, they do this and that. Like that that tells you, like, hey, dude, your recovery rate freaking sucks. Like you need eight hours of sleep just so you could get back to your optimal level. Like there's all those analytics that tell you that that, you know. Yeah, I'm actually really curious. I wanna I wanna compare how like a busy funeral is compared to like a more of a relaxed funeral. Compared to like a very hectic day, I, I want to see how that like that all correlates together, or or like how the values look. To be honest, yeah. and ultimately, you know, it's a little bit different because we're both kind of aware of things, so we're able to be like, okay, hey, I'm stressed out. Let me take some deep breaths. Compared to a nurse, you know, like there's nurses that like complain about shit, and they just like they don't play victim, but they're just like, oh yeah, my night is so shitty. I'm doing that. Oh. Oh fuck this job, man! Yeah, you know, they're just fucking complaining, complaining like they're being the victims of their environment. Imagine how they they are compared to like us. So, because we're actually decently aware and able to, you know, manipulate things in our favor. Yeah, there's just one nurse, one phone nurse that I haven't seen her for a while, but dude, always complains about everything. But she's like, so, she's like very monotone. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like no emotion to it. But it's like, like, the, like the I, I sat by her one time. 
I, I never said bye here ever again, dude. Like <laughs> always talking, always saying something, dude. Nothing ever, nothing's ever working out. This isn't going good. That that's bad. I'm just like, dude. Like, let me just can I have like saw five minutes of, of silence? So I was go chill my patient's room because I don't want to hear her hear her talk, dude. She's like, I said, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like you know sit somewhere else because that's like rude as fuck, you know. But dude, all the time, always talking, always talking. I'm just like, dude, like. I need some fucking silence here, man. Like I got the alarms going off nonstop. Now I got you talking over here. Like I can't even, I can't even eat a snack and sound. I can't even charge sounds. Like somebody just want shit to be quiet. Right. Like, there's times where where like I just, I just want to be left alone. Just don't talk to me. I, I don't I don't feel good. I'm a little stressed. Just leave me the fuck alone. But dude, she's kept fucking talking, kept talking, kept talking, and whatever, dude. You, that's, you, it. that's all I had to say. It's kind of funny because when I was sick these past two days, I I literally was just talking shit. Like nothing was working in my favor. I felt bad. I had those needy ass patients. I had I had this guy from um from Israel. You know what he said? We love Trump. Israel guys like oh we love Trump, dude. He was such a freaking dick. He was talking shit to me about everything. Like go get it, go do that. Like oh my tea spilled. Can you go get me a new blanket? I'm like no sir. We're doing an admission right now. You're gonna have to wait. Just, just, oh man, there's just some people just, oh, they're just so negative, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Usually if I have like a patient, that's just like being a dick. I just try to stay out of the room. Like I do my rounds and, and, and that's it, dude. And don't, and don't say a word. Just, you know, one word answers. Yeah. No, I'll bring, I'll bring it back next time. That's a no conversation. Cause I, cause I don't want to fucking do it. That's why they try to like egg me on. I'm just like, all right, dude, I'm, I've been here before. I've had my moments where I, Flip my shine patience. It's not worth it. I'm just going to yes and no. Dude, that's the same thing with even that guy. For example, he was complaining about me me giving him like IV Lasix. I'm like, who is The Heparin? Refused. Yeah. He had the whole deal. You know, I don't have time for this. Like this guy is just so t- like, even there's a guy, I'll, same night, dude. I had such shitty patience. Uh, fat ass guy. His, hepar- his PTT was like 196. So we had to recheck the heparin. Um, we stopped it for an hour. It was running at a different rate. Um, so you only got one chance. Um, IV person went in, missed. He, he's like, get out. And I'm like, and I'm like, um, Harold, like, just let her try one more time. She's already in your hand. No, she had one chance. Out. Got another um, another lab team refused. And he was just refusing lab draws, dude. So I just made a note. And I don't know what happened with Daisha, but it's like, dude, are, you're here to get better, bro. Like, how are you complaining about this? I hate that shit. Like when they refuse an IV, I'm just like, all right, sir, I can leave you with, a, with an IV, but you know, if something were to happen, we're gonna like you're gonna die with the with the IV. By the time we get an IV in, when your when your heart stops, is gonna be a lot harder because you have no pressure. It's gonna be a lot harder to to get the vein, and you just gotta fucking scam. Like even even if they're not as sick, even if they're like a like a like a floor patient that we just got as an overflow, I still I still scared the fuck out of them because worst case scenario, I'm not gonna be stressing over putting an IV in when this guy's, you know, when Chet's hits the fan. Right. I, I'm, I'm usually I'm, I'm a dick about it. I'm be like, Hey, yeah, if, if you don't get IV in you and something were to happen, you're probably going to die. Your chance of dying is like 80%. I threw some fucking numbers that I'm like 95% chance of, you know, you, you not, not getting out of here alive. Like I thought some random ass numbers, like, you know, studies show that patients without, without an IV and their chance of getting in a hospital decreases by like 72%. Like, Oh, uh, I'll let you try. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna try it twice. But if I don't get them, somebody else try it. If they don't get it, they'll go from there. What demographic? What demographic was he? 
Uh, well, I mean, I said to really oh, okay. basically everybody's being a fucking dick. Like it's like right. how, you get, how you guys say no to an IV? Like first of all, I don't even know how you got up from the ER without a fucking IV. I don't even know if you're if you're in ICU, it's expected you have like at least two IVs because because you know they tend to blow and I can fucking rush in. They're gonna emergency situation like fuck that. You know it's funny. Even in this hospital in San Diego, you have the same dilemma between ER and ICU. Like they still don't, no one. I want to get an ER nurse in on the freaking podcast as a guest. And just like have this debate between ER, ICU, and just like just handle the freaking beef, man. It, it, it'd be pretty cool, pretty cool to have. I mean, I don't have any beef with with ER nurses. I think they do a fucking amazing job. Usually, like uh, at my hospital that I work at now, like they usually come up fine. Like sometimes the report is, is is wrong, but like there's always so much shit you could get out of a patient in like the ED. So well, I mean, maybe in the beginning I did, but now I feel like I don't know what happened, but. ER is definitely a lot better than it was when I started. I'm not sure if there's a new management or or there's better communication now between the floors, but but our ER is fucking solid. Okay, well, see, you're, you're you've only worked in that one hospital to give that perspective. Like here, not any different. That that Israel guy that came up, he had um, scabies, right? So ER scanned the freaking medication, and there you're you're supposed to basically put the cream on from head to toe. And they're supposed to take a shower in eight, eight to 14 hours. They scanned the med. They, they said it was given. Like I saw a little bit of the tube being pushed out. And I asked them. And it, we asked them like at one o'clock, hey, did you um, get the cream put on? No, no, they didn't put anything on me. <laughs> okay. But it was scanned like six hours ago that it was given. So what do I got to do? I got to freaking massage the whole dude. He's complaining. He ripped off his telly. He doesn't want it on. He's like, no, I'm not going to have that on. Well, what, what am I going to do, man? All right, so what the statistics show that if you don't put this cream on, your chance of leaving the hospital alive drops by about sixty-two percent. And and he and you know he had a pacer because he had a complete heart block in the past. So I mean, like that doesn't help, you know. But it's like, yeah, dude, you just can't treat stubbornness sometimes in the hospital, man. Yeah, yeah, dude. I had a patient with with complete heart block. Like a person's underlying neuron was like a little like asystole. He was post haver at um. I was doing his bath. Fuck, I was, I was doing his bath and um, he was transveniously paced and they got to unhook from the pacer box. Oh, wow. So I look at the fucking monitor. I'm like, this is like a flat line. I was like, fuck my life. Like, what the fuck happened? I had like, lays ass flat, re- rehook it up. And then it, it was it was all good. He only like, you know, he didn't, he didn't lose consciousness because he was eight times four. Like, he's completely walkie-talkie, you know? Um and yeah, I was like, fuck, dude. But literally, like, I'm pretty sure all the line rhythm was probably like asystole because, dude, it was like flat for maybe like a second. Oh, dude, man, that's, was, that's the scary worst shit. feeling, man. Like, you, you, your stomach like drops, like you're like about to get the shits. Like, even that patient I was taking care of, like, she was in the 190s. And I'm just like, dude, does she have a pulse? And I'm just like trying to feel her, like, you know, she was fatter too. I'm like, dude, it's, it's like, hard to feel. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, you push down on her femoral, and it's like, it's like that. It's it's like that. Five seconds that feels like freaking one hour. You're just like, should I beat her chest? Should I go out do CPR? Like you don't know. It's like uh, it's like you're just like frozen. You're like, right, yeah. And the the rate is so fast where it's like pulse is so thready, especially if you're still hypotensive. Like yeah, it's gonna be hard to feel. Yeah. All right. You want to wrap this one up? Yeah, dude. I'm trying to go to bed. I got work today, man. I know. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. This is the after hours. We're gonna have to perfect this. I feel like we yeah. need a little intro, outro, and stuff like that. We'll talk about it Saturday. We could do like the whole after hours, have like the Joe Rogan monkey sound. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down. I'm, we could find something on the internet. Yeah. 
And I'm sure right, to do like, thank you guys for your Patreon support. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week for the episode.